Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Balanced Birth and Beyond podcast. I'm Olivia, your host, and on this podcast, we will talk about everything related to the journey to conceive, pregnancy, labor, birth, postpartum, parenthood, and beyond. This is a safe space where birth professionals, birthing people, expected parents, and partners can come on and share their knowledge or personal experiences with our listeners. The goal of this podcast is to create connections, share stories, information, and resources to educate and empower people in their own personal journey. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of the Healthy Balanced Birth and Beyond podcast. This week, I have my friend Ansley with us, and she is going to be talking to us about the importance of movement for baby's development. Um, We connected via Instagram, and she has some awesome videos for all different stages, uh, whether it's from zero to three, three to six, six to nine, or nine to 12, um, for different ideas of how to use song and dance and movement to help your baby grow and develop. So Ansley, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Yes. Thanks, Olivia. I'm, uh, like she said, I'm Ansley. I have my little company, my little business is Move Baby Move, and I've been teaching it all around the Boston area for the last couple of years, Um, and I'm just really excited to be here and talk a little bit more and talk with you, Olivia, about our babies and movement and what all goes on in their little but powerful bodies and minds. I guess I'll start with a little background about myself. I've been teaching these classes and and creating these classes for several years now, probably since like 2012. Um, My, yeah, my background originally is in musical theater. So I went to school here in Boston. I went to the Boston Conservatory and did musical theater um, and loved it. And, And during that, we talked a lot about Um, I took a lot of movement classes where we learned about movement therapists and we did dance classes and anatomy and really like worked on the body. Um, And I always thought that was really interesting. Then cut to graduation, moving to New York City. I lived there um, and I kind of got involved in the child development, infant development world living in New York. And I studied under this wonderful woman Aline Scove, she's brilliant, um, and she teaches development classes all around New York and Brooklyn and areas like that. And I studied with her and trained with her and really loved what she was putting out into the world for these parents. Um, And it was kind of a very similar setting as to what I'm doing now, but I ended up then taking it a step further with my musical theater background and performance background. And I ended up sort of creating these songs and making up songs and putting it in this like fun little package for parents, for caregivers to find ways to play with their babies um, that help support their cognitive, physical, emotional growth, kind of all rolled into one big package. Um, So I did that in New York for a couple of years and then ended up moving back to the Boston area and started doing it here and then it's kind of where we are now but now I have a son of my own um and it's been really fun to like do these classes and things with him and involve him and see his growth and um it's just been a really fun 
process now to be on the mom side of it. Yeah. And one thing I was going to ask you, and I'm glad that you brought it up because during, um, you've posted a couple different, um, IGTV videos Mm -hmm. for people during this time when they're at home with their babies. And I was going to ask if you were a singer because your voice is so good. Um, so I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was going to ask it anyways. Yes. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I love singing. It's always been so fun. And I mean, the human voice is so powerful. So I always would tell my moms too, like, I I know it maybe feels a little intimidating to be singing with me in class because mm-hmm. you're like, I get it all the time. People are like, oh my gosh, your voice is so good. <laughs> um, but the human voice is so powerful to our brains and more so than recorded songs. So I know a lot of people play music for their babies, which is great and wonderful. But if you can sing or if you can hum, it just lights up the brain in a way that recorded music doesn't. Yeah. So even if you don't have a good voice, um, hum and sing. Your babies don't care whether or not you can <laughs> sing or not. Right. You know? It's. I'm glad that you said that too because um, there it was something that I was either reading or watching and they did a study on um, the baby's reaction to the mom's voice. So they they looked at the brain specifically. They were looking at the – they put on the little electrodes, like a little helmet almost. And they had someone say the baby's name. And then they had the um, – someone else, not the mom. Someone else say the baby's name. And the baby would either respond or not respond. And then they had the mom say it or the mom say the word baby. And the baby's just like compl- – their whole brain lit up. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's crazy because we don't even, I feel like a lot of people don't realize how much your, your voice plays a huge role in your baby's development and their brain and their growth. And so using your voice and it makes it fun for you too. Like, I love what you're doing because you're taking something that could just seem very, very simple, but you're explaining to people, this is why it's important. This is what it's doing for your baby. And then it makes it fun for you and for your baby. So it's not like, you're just sitting there like, oh, I don't know what to do with my baby right now. Right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I love the work you're doing. And that's why I really, really was excited to connect with you because it's so important. Thank you. Yes, I agree, too. And it's I think it's very cool that a lot of the stuff that we do is instinctual. Yes. If, if you're tuned in to your mothering part of your brain and your body, like we will just instinctually do things and make sounds and react to our babies. And it's so easy to just keep moving on from it and not even really even think about that it was something you did instinctually. And it's important to know the whys. It's important to know what is it actually doing because that's how we grow and feel confident as mothers and as caregivers Mm -hmm. to say like, yes, okay, I, I do know what I'm doing. And there is this like deep instinct that I can really tune into And that's all that needs to happen when it comes to like a mom and baby relationship. Yeah. Uh, There's so much noise out there, I think. And there's so much to read and there's so much information and that it does, it gets really overwhelming. Um, But I think when we start to pull back and just look at the, the bare sort of necessities, Mm -hmm. we see that, that we're really already doing these things. Yeah. I, I remember there was this, um, I guess like a meme you would call it, and it was comparing what parents in like the 1950s, 1980s did compared to now, like what people expect you to do with your baby and your kids growing up. And it was just like, 
everything on our side nowadays was this huge, huge list. And then the other one was like, feed them, hold them sometimes. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but it's funny that you say that because I recently on my stories, I was like, does anybody else find themselves just like singing to their baby when they like start fussing, like just making up songs as you go? Because with um, Tallulah right now, because like you and I were talking about, she's just needed a little extra love lately and has been yeah. a little bit more um, clingy because she's going through all of these developmental milestones. Um, so she, when we change her diaper, she's not liked it lately. And normally she's totally fine. So we just, I just make up songs while I'm changing her and I'm like, all you have to do is change your diaper and just like keep going. And it, they, she generally calms down. I mean, if you just sing random things. (laughs) Yeah. Sing what you, and then, and that like, so that even goes into language development for them. Right. Right. Now you can start singing about the things that you're doing, talking about the, singing about her body parts, touching the body parts, helping her create that map of her body and her mind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting. I always think about this. We take a lot of things for granted and that we don't realize our babies don't know. They have no idea where their body starts and where their body ends. Mm -hmm. They don't, they have to figure out that there's a top and a bottom and a right and a left and that all of these things are connected. Right. And so the way that we do that is, is by yes, getting them out of containers, putting them on the floor, letting them experience their bodies, but also through touch and through us as mm-hmm. part of our sort of um, responsibilities, right. Is, is to like touch them and massage them and squeeze them. So they feel, and they start to create this map of their body mm-hmm. in their mind. Um, it's one of our senses too, sort of this proprioception um, sense. But then going back to the, the language part of it too, they hear you make all these sun, fun sounds and slides and trills, and you will start to hear them replicate that. Mm-hmm. And they start to make the same sounds that you make. And, you know, Wesley is, my son is really big on the blowing <laughs> raspberries right now. And I, I've, uh, when he was younger, I used to always like do like little do's. I'd be like, do, 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 do. I realized that that's just something I do like, yeah. <laughs> on a regular basis. And that's all of his babbles now. He does so many like do, 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 does. Lots so of funny. sounds coming out. And it's a fun little like mirror back to me of like, oh, yeah, that's what I do a lot. Yeah. You, <laughs> you even saying that just reminded me. So, Tallulah has been breastfeeding since she was born and generally she would just feed and nurse and just sit like lay there in my arms and now she's at the point where because she's so close to crawling she just wants to move around but she's also she'll be mid-nurse and she'll stop and she'll make a sound and she'll wait for me to make a sound back to her and then she'll do it a couple times and then she'll go back to nursing and it's just it's so fun to watch their brains work it's so cool and like you said they're replicating your sounds they're waiting for you to to make a sound so they can hear it and then try and do the same thing or Mm -hmm. see if you'll replicate their sounds right right yeah it's really fun um and then it does kind of make me think about like the other side of that coin of like how draining that can be to Mm -hmm. feel like you constantly have to be giving this like energy out to a baby, especially in the climate that we're in right now in the middle of this coronavirus, we're all stuck indoors. Um, 
and so we have this feeling of like, oh my gosh, what long days to just be like giving, giving, giving. Right. Um, and there has, there's comfort in the sense that there have been studies that have come out about attachment and, um, you know, the connection between moms and babies that we don't have to be giving them a hundred percent of our attention all the time. They are only connected to us and in tuned with us. I think the study found it was like 30% of the time. Yeah. Which is super interesting to me because yeah. it feels like, <laughs> like it would, it would be so much more than that. Um, but yeah, 30% of the time they'll tune in with us. They'll check in, they'll want to engage and they'll want to connect and then we should be able to like find some reprieve from that, a little like step back, mm-hmm. relax. We don't have to be uh, the entertainer yeah. all the time. I was going to say, based on what you were saying, I mean, we could we could start talking about um, attachment parenting because it feels like yeah. the perfect segue into it. Yeah. And I can totally relate to that, um, feeling like you need to give them 100% all the time because I feel like that pretty much every day. <laughs> Um, so hearing that they only are, what did you say? They're only receptive to it like 30% of the time. Yeah. They're only really like tuned in and connected with us like 30% of the time. It's so interesting. It does, like I would feel like it'd be so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Wesley was younger, we would have these interactions. Um, and, and you have to sort of watch their cues. They'll give you the cues. It's the cues that we talk about in newborns, especially like, looking away or turning their head like that's actually a sign of like needing a pause and needing a break from you so when he would look away or his eyes would go somewhere else or he'd move his head instead of like me following his eyes and his gaze and being like hey what's going on what are you looking at over here I would take that as the opportunity of okay I'm gonna step back I'm gonna let you look out this window or look at this light switch for however long you are gonna look at it and that sprinkles through into our relationship even now at 13 and a half months. Um, and, and it's not so much about the quantity of interactions that we're having with our babies. It's about the quality of the interactions. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're craving from us. They don't need us. They don't want us to be in their face entertaining them 24-7. Right. Um they just, when, when it is time to connect, that that connection is purposeful and that you are in it with them. Yeah. They, and listening to you talk about how when they turn away, they need a little break, a little pause for themselves. I feel like it's so important and I'm grateful that you said that because I don't feel like p- people fully realize how overstimulating certain things can be for babies because we as adults get over overstimulated. There are certain things that we're just like, okay, I need, I need a break. Babies can't verbalize that and tell us that. But when they're little and you're bringing them to like out places or to meet new family or friends, and sometimes they get fussy because it's, it's too much for them. It's too loud for them. It's too many colors. It's too many sounds, what it, too many smells, whatever it is. I feel like sometimes people just think babies are just fussing for no reason when in reality they're like, hey, I need to chill out. I need people to stop being in my face and touching me because it's it's too much. Yeah. And I think that it's important to to talk about that and to share that with people because 
like I said, I just, sometimes I feel like we, we don't realize that all of these things are so new for the baby, for babies in general. They're, they were just born. They're born into this world where they have to figure everything out. And right now, the only way that they can communicate with us is by crying or yelling or making sounds. And I think that we need to spend more time trying to figure out what they're trying to communicate rather than being, oh, you're fine. It's okay. You're just tired. You know, there are so many different pieces that go into it. Totally. Um, You are so right. And and I like to call, I call it over uh, saturated. Like I like to think of it as like a sponge, right? And that sponge can only hold Mm -hmm. so much water. Um, Yeah. Their nervous systems are running 10 times slower than adults' nervous systems. So things are super overwhelming for them. And the way that they let you know that they need that space is by breaking eye contact with you, by looking away. Um, You might, if there's little and there's especially newborns, you might even see like clenched fists. Mm -hmm. And what else will happen is they'll kind of like shake a little bit. That's a state of overwhelmed, of oversaturation. Um, Blinking is also that too. When we have, uh, in my older classes, like in a crawler's level class, we sit our babies in our laps in front of us. There'll be instances where we're clapping our hands and I see moms clapping their hands and they're clapping their hands right in front of their baby's faces, not even knowing it or realizing it. And the baby will sit there and they'll just be blinking and blinking and blinking. That's just too much. The nervous system is going, whoa, this is crazy. Um, It's loud too for them. It's super loud. Yeah, so there's, they do things that let us know before they get to the crying, freak out, stressed out stage. There's all these little clues of I'm feeling overwhelmed. Um, And it was just, it's hard to pick up on it. And you have to know to look out for it too. Right. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's, it's being mindful of what those little things are with your baby and being in tune with what their cues are. Um, For me personally, I felt like I just, I've always worked with kids my, essentially since I was like a teenager, since I was 13 in multiple different settings. I was a babysitter, a teacher, a nanny, everything. Um, and so seeing it with other people's babies and children growing up, it's, it's different when you have your own and you're, you are with them 24 seven and you know all, what all their cues are and watching them and learning them. Um, so I just felt like it was so important for me to just follow whatever her cues were because I can't just expect her to just go along with life as, as normal. Like when you have a baby, it's, it's, everything is different and you have to slow down and pay attention to what those things are to potentially avoid them, um, getting too oversaturated, oversaturated, overstimulated and freaking out, you know? Um, because I feel like sometimes if, if we aren't paying attention to those things or looking at them, seeing what they need or how they're reacting, then it's going to lead to whether it's people consider it to be a tantrum or a freak out, um, whatever you want to call it. You know what I mean? Right. I think, I think you're so right on that. Like we have to think of it as they're just like little mini humans, little mini versions of us. And I always tell my families too, my moms in classes, I'm like, how would you feel if your husband or your partner said, 
okay, you're going to come with me today and I'm not going to tell you what we're doing or where we're going. You just have to come with me everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, no, wait, just tell me what's going on. Like explain to me. And so, yes, even though our babies are so young and they don't understand necessarily maybe what the grocery store is or what, you know, the post office is. Mm-hmm. But when we show them that respect of just slowing things down and telling them what's happening, what's going on, they understand it on some level. Mm-hmm. And the information wasn't there, you know, 10 years ago, even. This is all information that is coming out and continues to come out um, about child development and infant development and how much our babies already know and pick up on mm-hmm. and understand. We yeah. used to think, say we, like specialists, developmental specialists, used to think that there was nothing going on right. with the baby. And now we know everything is going on with them. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's it's nice to think about that um, on like a cognitive level that they're many adults. And then I also see that in physicalness too. I talked to this, I think I said it a lot in my, um, in one of my recent Instagram TVs on, on Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, that, that we have to respect their bodies the same way that we move our bodies, right? That when we do put them down on the floor, we're not just dropping them straight back down because we would never get down on the floor that way. Right. You know, we would never be sitting and then go to lay down and just fall straight back. Right. You know, we get down onto our hips, onto our shoulders, and then we roll onto our back. We need to be treating them and their bodies the same way because they move the same way. Yeah. And that's how they learn. That's how they learn to get up or lay back down. Um, I liked the example that you gave of, say, your partner was like, I'm just going to take you with me everywhere I go today. I'm not going to tell you where we're going or what we're doing because I... I don't remember who said it. There was somebody who was kind of talking about the fact that they saw a mom in the grocery store and the mom was talking to her baby the whole time. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of like, well, why would you do that? Because Mm -hmm. um, babies don't understand. And I feel like people don't realize how much babies do understand. And babies are so much smarter than people give them credit for. They pick up on things very quickly. Um, so whenever I'm going to go somewhere, I'm always telling her what we're doing because I don't want her to feel so worried. She also hates the car seat. So I'm always like, we're just going to go for a few minutes. We're going to the store. Um, but I feel like it helps too, because instead of just being silent and not talking and then your baby's just like, okay, what are we doing? Where are we going? You're working on, you're giving yourself something to do first and foremost, but then you're also talking to your baby and potentially developing their language and helping their brain grow and develop. Um, Because I can't imagine how frustrating it would be to be strapped in a car seat and no one's telling you what you're doing or where you're going. And then you end up somewhere new and they don't tell you what it is and you don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is why I feel like attachment parenting works so well for me is because we just, we need to be respectful of these little babies, these little beings. They're not just something, they're not just like a, a doll that comes into the, into your life and they just have to adapt to everything that you do. I think that there needs to be a balance of adapting to them for sure, 
especially during different points in their life and as they grow up and as they learn and understand things. And then there are also points in time where you they obviously have to adapt to whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing like right now where we can't go places and we have to explain these things to them. And granted, it's different when they're babies versus older kids right now who can understand things. Um, but I just think, like you said, that having that mutual respect for their minds and their bodies is so important. And I honestly think that a lot of people don't think about that or they don't consider it. I still feel like it's something that's still kind of new to the space. And I talked about it recently in one of my um, Instagram posts that I shared. I feel like... Um, People see my way of parenting as not the norm or not the conventional way, and it's been difficult explaining it to people. And gen- I mean, I don't really need to explain it to people, but our family members who haven't had babies in 30 plus years, this is all very new to them. Um, so talking to them about it and sharing it with them has been it's been interesting, and I feel like it's been a learning um, a learning experience for them too. Because if people don't know about all these things, these research, these studies about babies, then why would they do anything differently? Right. Yeah. I, it's exactly that. Like, these studies are new. Like I said, this is stuff that we didn't know about 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. If, have you seen, watched the documentary Babies? Yes. Netflix? Oh, that yeah. was that was what I was watching when they did the, the, brain, yeah. the brain mapping thing. Yeah. That's what it so, was. I mean, even just watching that, you hear from these experts about the studies and the scientists, what they're studying, and it's all new. It's all new information that's come out in the last 10 years, maybe. You know, that might be generous. Um, yeah, I mean, it's there's, there's just a lot to sort of unload, and, and I think it comes down to just being respectful and, and starting to put those seeds into place for us now. Um, because like you mentioned, when they do become older and they have stronger opinions or they have more awareness about what's going on, when we've already planted these seeds of like respect and conversation and explaining things, like it's easier to just continue that trend together and like grow as mom and child, um, versus like you haven't been showing them that sort of respect or sort of building that relationship. And now all of a sudden you have a toddler who has very strong opinions and they're getting older and they're getting stronger and smarter. And it's like, it's going to, it feels like it's going to be harder to kind of keep things respectful and healthy. If you haven't been putting that work in before. Right. And um, one of the books, have you read the conscious parent? Have you read that? I have not. Um, I just started reading it. I'm probably maybe like 100 pages in. But it's mm-hmm. talking about the importance of essentially respecting your baby and respecting their thoughts and their feelings and their emotions and their bodies. Um, it's really, I really have liked it a lot. And it, it, it's opened up a lot for me. And they mm-hmm. talk about also um, making sure that however you were raised isn't, is could can show up in your parenting if yeah. you're not working on certain things that you have gone through or um haven't haven't um I guess like dealt with gone fully sat with and moved on from um and I think that's really true because we view ourselves as the parents and one of the main points in the book is like 
they're not, I mean, they're your baby, yes, but they're not yours to control. And mm-hmm. they're, you are not better than them because you're older than them. Like they, it's still, it's still talking about the importance of having that mutual respect in every, every step of their life, starting with when they're a baby. And then especially as they get into their middle school years and their teen years and as they grow older. Um, but that's where I feel like attachment parenting is so important is because you're starting to build that bond in the beginning when they're, when they're babies. So they feel like, okay, I'm respected. I can come to you, that sort of thing as they grow older. So it's not like they feel like they need to run away from you or be separated from you. And I think that's something that I've spent a lot of time talking to people about and explaining that there's no holding my baby too much. There's no spoiling her right now because I'm responding to her needs and babies need that constant contact when they're still figuring everything out. Like you said, they need, they don't even know the top from the bottom. It's, it's, it's been, it's been interesting, (laughs) an interesting journey for me, but I, I love it. I think it's so important and you see how they respond. You see that they, they know they can come to you, that if they're upset and then they come to you and they immediately calm down, you can see that what you're doing, it matters and it, it shows up. Yeah, totally. I mean, only from a space of pure, uh, love and support can we start to venture out from that. And that's, that's a huge part of all of this is that you, we need to show them that, um, that love and that support and that comfort so that they know without a doubt that they are safe and that they are loved. And so from there, they say, cool, now I can go do X, Y, and Z because I'm so safe and, and secure. Mm-hmm. Um, when we deny them that or we we get caught up in like how a lot of people parent these days of like, which to no fault of their own, I get that it's so hard to um, you know, maybe your child's in daycare, maybe they're with a nanny because you're working and, mm-hmm. and like, that's a really hard balance, but it's not how we're supposed to mother. And that's not how we're supposed to parent. We're, we're supposed to be doing it in a community of people with lots of support. And a lot of us just don't have that. And yeah. so we, we have to do things like, um, you know, sleep training and things like that so that we can do the things that have to get done for our families. And I get that. And I know that that's a real true thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can, and if you can make it work to give them that strong attachment, that strong connection, that's really, I think the best thing for them. Yeah. And I know that if, if you attachment parenting became like this really big buzzword over the last couple of years. It was, I think it was a pediatrician and his wife who started that phrase. And they have like six key points that they say is what makes an attack, uh, you know, attachment parenting is. Mm-hmm. And I think just even reading that can feel really overwhelming as a parent because there's things like breastfeeding listed on there. Mm-hmm. And we know that for a lot of moms that that just doesn't happen for a multitude of reasons so now is this mother going to feel like she can't have an attachment with her child because she's not breastfeeding right and I just want to be clear and coming back to it's about 
quality, not versus quantity. Mm -hmm. So it is a very different experience for a mother who is breastfeeding, who is just going to be on their phone or on their computer or watching television while they're nursing versus a mother who is going to bottle feed a baby, but is going to be holding eye contact with her baby, who is going to be touching their feet or giving them little massages, being with her hair. That's the attachment. Mm -hmm. So it's like, forget about breastfeeding or co-sleeping or any of that stuff. And just look at the interactions that you're having with your baby. And that's where your attachment and your connection is going to come from. Right. Yeah. And I love that you said that because for a long time, well, since having Tallulah, I would say, I didn't really like label my style of parenting because like you said if you sit and you read a list and they're like you need to be doing all these things or it's not that style of parenting then you can be like oh well crap like I'm not doing this right or I should be doing this and I'm not doing this and there's so many shoulds in when it comes to parenting that people throw around and like Mm -hmm. you said at the end of the day it's not about you need to be breastfeeding your baby. Like everybody has a different life. Everybody has a different lifestyle. Everyone has different careers. And it's important to remember that it's about what works for you and your family and taking that time to realize, well, think about, okay, I might not be able to be with them as much as I would like to be with them. Um, But focusing on, okay, when I am with them, I'm going to give them my full undivided attention So it's having that quality, like you said. Um, I think there's just so much, there's so many things that cause parents to stress out and feel like they're not doing the right thing and they're not doing enough. And there's so there's a lot of pressure because of opinions and criticisms and that sort of thing. But easier said than done to just continue to remind yourself that you have to do what works for you. Because if you're stressing and trying to do all of these things that just don't line up with your lifestyle, then you're just going to end up burnt out. And then you won't be able to have that quality time focus on your baby because you'll be worrying about everything else. Totally. Yeah. I think it goes back to your like conscious parenting. Um, because yeah, it's and it goes back to that. We're doing things that are just innate in us and that we don't realize we're necessarily doing but there is again that other side of the coin too that sometimes we're just doing things based off of what our parents did for us mm-hmm. and if we're not aware of that that we're just falling back on what we got as children mm-hmm. and we're going to pass that on to our children and and so there's has to be this thing of this little balance this consciousness about our parenting of am I doing this because this truly feels right to me and this is what I want to do? Or is this just like a default coming into play? So yeah, you have to kind of always be asking yourselves those kinds of questions and reflecting and, and it is hard. I mean, sometimes in the middle of it, you just gonna have to do whatever to do to survive and get through it and then figure out what, (laughs) what needs to come after that. Yeah. Sometimes, and sometimes, like you said, sometimes it's just like straight up survival mode, whatever works for you. Um, Like if you had asked me prior to having our daughter, if I was going to be co-sleeping with her, I would have been like, no. And I, it it was one of those moments where it was like, do I need to sleep? Yes. Does she need to sleep? Yes. Okay. This is what we're doing. This is how it's going to be. And it's, it's just, 
it's how things turn out. And it, I just, I wish that, like you said, I wish people would stop and think, does this feel right for me? Does this feel right in this moment? Is, Is this what I want to be doing? Or am I just doing it because somebody else told me I should do it? Or this is what I was shown growing up? Because it's hard, and sometimes it's hard to sit and think about that. Um, Because it can bring up things from your childhood, too. Totally. Totally. And I I can even take it a step farther and say that, um, just to throw this in here, because I do think it's a super important topic and thing to talk about, is, like, the containers and things, places that we just put our babies. And, And I'm saying that, like, these companies have great, marketing teams who will make you think you need to put your baby in a swing or you need to put your baby in a bouncer and this is going to be the best thing for them um but less is more and it's better to to not fall into those marketing traps and to just let your baby be on the floor and just be free and can move and can discover their bodies and it i don't know it it ends up almost like making your time with them a little easier because they figure out their bodies much faster and it feels like a little relief. (laughs) Yeah. I agree with that too. Cause I remember when, um, I was making our baby registry, for example, I was like, we really don't need a lot of things. We don't need, cause for me, anytime I had seen a baby in a swing, a lot of the time the babies were not happy. So in my mind, I was like, Art, like she's not going to like that. Um, it might be helpful in some instances where they do like it for a few minutes, but I didn't want one of those because in my mind, I was like, she's just not going to like it. And sure enough, we got one and I tried it and she hated it. Mm-hmm. So like you said, I remember, I think it, I think you shared it on one of your stories. It was just um, your son on the floor, just rolling and uh, moving around when he was younger and talking about the importance of letting them explore and play and move their bodies without them being um, constrained in something or strapped into something. And mm-hmm. they, I've noticed for sure that Tallulah hates being strapped into something. She didn't even, she wasn't a fan of swaddling really, except for when she was really, really tiny. Um, she likes to be able to move around. She doesn't like to be in something where she can't move around. And I think, like you said, it helps them so much learn their bodies and understand that if they move their leg this way, they can do this or their arm that way, they can do this. Um, So less is, I really feel like less is more when it comes to, to parenting. There are absolutely certain things that are very helpful when you need certain things like a swing, if you need, if you need five minutes or something like that. But there, there are a lot of companies with, who have obviously superior marketing that are just like, you need this right now. Yeah. I have like, if a product like promises that your baby will do this or will do that, run away from it. Yeah. That's true. And so it just, you know, it goes back to that point that you were saying of, um, hold on one second. Okay, so my daughter needed some snuggles, so she's down here with us now. So if you hear her, that's who it is. <laughs> yeah. um, so we were talking about 
all of the different products that they have on the market. And like you said, if they tell you that they promise you it's going to make your baby sleep or whatever to run away from it, which I absolutely agree with because you never know what's going to work for your baby. And that's the thing that I always say to people is that every single baby is different. There is no one size fits all for babies. There's no one size fits all for parenting or motherhood or anything. Because I feel like people are like, oh, well, if it worked for your baby, it, it must, it's definitely going to work for mine, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah. and then they can fall back into that kind of like a failure trap where if it's not working for them, then why, why isn't it working? You know? Right. I know it's a really big mind trick. Mothering and parenthood, it's just to, to have so many emotions in the span of a day, in the span of an hour, it's really wild. It really is. Yeah. And um, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I was just, you know, it, it it's a hard thing. And think the more that we can just keep back in with ourselves and keep doing that, like conscious thinking and conscious parenting and respectful parenting. And um, that's how we kind of get through it all. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you if you wanted to to tell listeners about um, like the different classes that you that you do or the yeah. or where people can find you um, online right now if they wanted to see some of the videos that you've been sharing that might be helpful for them right now. Yeah. Um, so on Instagram, it is Move Baby Move, and I'm putting out little Instagram IGTV episodes. Um, about just ways that we can play with our babies and and interact with them because it's a much different experience playing with a six-month-old or a seven-month-old, right? We're not going to play with them in the same way. We can't necessarily build blocks together. So just giving out little um, mini things about like little activities, little songs and things that we can do that are going to be supporting them. And what else did you say? Um, I think I was just asking about like where people could find you. And then obviously you guys, you're not. Yeah. Yes. So um, I'm actually not doing any classes currently. Right. Uh, That was more so because Wesley just got too big and he was coming with me to all my classes. And that was our lives until like the November, December timeframe. Okay. And he started walking and running around and so when I bring him to my classes he would just bolt everywhere (laughs) and I couldn't like mom and teach at the same time so I took time off um and for the last you know four months now I've been strictly home with him which is um great and wonderful but I miss teaching I miss having those like interactions with moms and babies and so the fact that we're sort of in this interesting season of life where things are coming onto social media and onto the internet because everybody's home is a really exciting thing for me because I'm getting able to, I'm able to step back out into this arena in some shape and form, but it's enough to like make me feel wonderful and good and happy. Um, so yeah, so just right now it's on Instagram. Um, and I do have a website link as well on Instagram. I love her little, <laughs> little sounds. Um, I also have a, a <laughs> website link on Instagram where I have a blog post up where I talk about a lot of things about like tummy time and sitting. 
um, and a lot of sort of more developmental milestones. And that's a little blog on there too. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. Tola's excited about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be sharing everything where people can find you um, if they want to reach out to you. And I can totally relate to the um, being home with your little one and missing some of the work that you do because I was doing birth work and postpartum work before she was born. And I obviously haven't gotten back to that just yet. Um, But yeah, I mean, they they come in fast and furious and then they start (laughs) doing all these things. And it's it's fun to watch them learn and grow. And um, Oh, it's wild. Yeah, it's, it's wild. It's I think it's honestly like one of the coolest things when watching her just look at things and discover things and kind of seeing how her little brain works. Yeah. Um, and I love that you're doing classes and providing this virtual support for parents who can use this now during this time, but also can watch them and do the, these classes with their babies even after all of this is going on. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, thank you for all the work that you do, and it's it's important and it's needed. Um, is there anything that you'd want to leave our listeners with, like whether it's advice or just um, words of encouragement or anything like that? Hmm. I mean, I think we touched on such lovely little keystones about uh, like all of it in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to like harp back on a lot of the stuff that we talked about, but. But yeah, I mean, it's mothering is a really tough job and it's hard to filter in and filter out all the things that we hear around us in the world. But if we can just keep coming back to following our baby's lead and remembering that less is more, that to just be on the ground with your baby, let them free, let them out, um, you know, that's how how they're going to figure out their bodies and then we're going to help them. I, I saw an interesting thing that like uh, it was a quote and I probably don't have a quick correct all the way, but it's not our job to instill things in our children. Mm-hmm. It's our job not to squash it. Yes. I love so that. We have all of these innate things already in them, this curiosity, this drive to move and to discover the world. And it's our job is just to not squash it. It's to keep nurturing that part of them yeah and then that's how they're going to explode and do all wonderful yeah you're going to do all these things um (laughs) no that and that ties into like what i was saying with the conscious parenting it's talking about like not trying to make them do things because you want them to do things trying to let (laughs) letting them do these things because they want to do them and supporting that and encouraging that um But yeah, I mean, I feel like we touched on so much. Um, and also, too, like you said, less is more with toys, too, because I swear this girl has played with more things that are not toys than yeah. any ah. of her toys. Yep. Yeah. She's playing with your glasses now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and so that goes to our back to this whole like mini human thing, right? They don't want to play with the toys that they never see you play with. They yeah. want to use that you're using and it's it is a it is a developmental step in their play that they'll you know eventually start like mimicking us in so many aspects of our lives Mm -hmm. which is why they love pots and pans and they'll stir and they'll pretend like they're cooking because they see us do it yeah yeah he's you know all of that stuff the things that we use that's what they want to play with 
Yeah, because that's what they see us using yeah, all the time. Yeah, that's where life is. That's the life. So they're yeah. smart. They're, they're so smart. smart. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you so, so much for taking the time to come Great. on to come on and chat with us and share all of your knowledge with us and for the work that you do. Um, so I'm going to include where people can find you in the videos and I'll be sharing the videos too once um, we launch this podcast. So um, thank you so much. And we, we can do future podcasts because I feel like there's so much more that we can talk about too. If you ever want to come back on, you're more than welcome to. Awesome. Thank you. This was great. And Stay well. Yes, you too. See you on the other side of all this. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening this week, listeners. Um, We hope you enjoyed this podcast. And as always, if you have any questions for myself or Ansley, please (laughs) feel free to reach out, whether it's via DM on Instagram or or um, an email to us. We are here to support you. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys.